Hey, Pronouncers, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. We have got a very special guest uh, and hopefully somebody for next year's Pronouncers <laughs> Conference too, which we'll talk about from this year as well because it leads in perfectly into everything else. Uh, Aya Fukai, Aya has started, runs, operates, is just the general everything to Aya Pastry. Um, Aya is also a Michelin star pastry chef, an award-winning pastry chef, pastry chef. <laughs> and uh, I also found the words executive pastry chef. Am I missing any other really cool titles? Just owner of a bakery, I guess now. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got like a crazy, crazy background. But hold on, before we get into that, walk us through the week of, of Pronosos Conf and just everything that unfolded. Sure. Um, so we were having a special pop-up event with another small business called Sugoi Sweets. And that same weekend, we were going to launch the pop-up um, and around the same time, two of my managers, I believe it was the day prior, it was very last minute that I had to cancel the um, present presentation um, due to two of my managers saying that um, they had COVID symptoms, including fever and coughing. Um, and when it comes down to something like that, we take that very seriously in the bakery. Um, and unless they come back with a negative PCR test, I don't allow them back on the property, um, especially with those specific kind of um, symptoms. Um, and I've been hearing a lot of people even getting COVID after they had gotten the vaccine. So we're extra super careful, um, especially having a lot of drivers that go off to drop off at our wholesale locations and our customer service face-to-face um, -face within the bakery storefront. Um, so I had to stay at the bakery to cover and um, do their jobs pretty much, um, which is part of being a small business owner, I think. Um, especially when yeah. it's two manager positions, there isn't necessarily other managers that can cover those specific um job duties got it yeah no no worries I, we got the email and we're like oh that's a bummer but totally understand tell us just a little bit about aya pastry sure um so we are a chicago bakery that does both wholesale and uh storefront retail sales, um, as well as a drive-through for retail. Um, we have about 50 different accounts within the city that ranges anywhere from a grocery or supermarket type to a restaurant or a cafe. Um, and then we also have our retail storefront, which is more of where we can do a little uh, creative projects, um, such as the pop-up that I did with Sugoi Sweets. Um, we'll be selling pastries, fresh breads. Um, everything is baked daily and sold um, both in the retail and wholesale sector. So a lot of people are listening and saying, uh, what? Why, why do you have someone who runs a bakery on, on our like Decorated Pearl <laughs> podcast? Uh, I think, so I was touring for people that are listening, Brett Bowden shop in uh, Printed Threads in Texas, and he was just talking about how similar shops are to, and shop owners are to the lives mm -hmm. of restaurant owners. 
and the, the, the dealing with people and, and management and getting things out and customizations and, and yes. orders and tracking and scheduling and all this stuff. Uh, and these are just some of the things I wanted to get into today too and how you run your business. But it was a really interesting observation. Um, how, now you talk about people and those two managers having call off. What does your team structure look like? So right now we have about 27 employees. Um, we have mm -hmm. di different departments within the bakery that specializes in um, different sectors to make it run. Um, there's the office team where we have an operations manager, myself, and a sales manager. And then there is a pastry kitchen that has a pastry chef as well as pastry sous chef. And then we have the bread kitchen that has the uh the head bread baker, as well as her sous chef. And then we have the dishwashing team and then the logistics team, which is in charge of all the packaging um, as well as delivering. How many deliveries do you make every morning? Depends on the day. I would say on the weekends, it's quite, quite large um, because of different accounts having brunches and more orders. But I would say anywhere from 30 to 40 is normal. So somebody has to go to 30 to 40 or there's different vans or yeah, we like have three vehicles. <laughs> so and we, they all have to be done by opening for them. Right. Or is it of course like an 8am, 9am thing? No cafe accounts start at 6am. So we have uh, overnight bakers uh, who end their shift at 1030 and we also have the first one in, um, which is an a.m. baker, that who, well, three a.m. bakers who start at 3 a.m. in the morning. And our drivers start at 4 a.m. to start delivering all, some of those products. Oh, wow. How do you manage that shift? Are those, is there a manager there on staff too to, for problems that arise? Yes. So usually there is a 3 a.m. Um, manager who's in charge of the actual production. So we'll have uh -huh. a bread sous chef or someone along those lines within that time. And then the 4 a.m. person is the logistics manager. And she's in charge of dispatching all the cars, packing all of the breads and pastries to make sure that they go out um, with our more line employees who are drivers and packers. So when you were scaling to that point, obviously when you started – was it just you and doing everything or how did you get to the point where like it, cause it sounds like you've got a good amount of hierarchy here to help take things off unless yes. there's COVID scares, but yes. Uh, <laughs> how, how did you get to that point? So when I first started, um, we didn't even have retail, um, at all. It was all just starting with wholesale. Um, and when you start with two or three accounts, there's, no budget to actually hire a manager or even a driver. Right. Um, so I am literally in the kitchen making things and then waking up or staying up all night and delivering it the next morning, which is kind of crazy. We've come a long way within the four years that we've stayed open. So were you working nights then basically to get everything ready for the morning deliveries? I was working about 16 hours a day, every day okay. for day nights. Yeah, day and nights, all day. Um, and depending on 
you know, the needs of the bakery. It was, it was really a hard grind. Um, definitely coming from, you know, working in every position to now more of an overseeing position where I'm in charge of, um, looking to the future of the bakery rather than doing the operational day to day things, unless it's needed, like on that day that I needed to cancel. So how did you scale the people hiring then? Was it, you know, cause I, I think a lot of us, me included, will hire to give us more capacity to like print more, mm-hmm. to bake more. But, but then eventually that doesn't scale because you're the, you're the touch point to everybody right. versus, you know, a manager. What, was there any process you were following or was there another restaurant that you were like, here's the the flow of it to build this up or? Um, prior to opening, I definitely went around to different bakeries um, to see what their model was like um, and what their structure was like. Zingerman's in uh, Michigan happens to be one of the more memorable ones since they're a huge operation um, and they have a bakery as well as all these restaurants that they're doing all the breads um, and pastries for. So that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's our operation times, I don't know, maybe 10, 20. Um, definitely learn from that as well as uh, public and quality bread. Greg Wade was nice enough to kind of show me how his operation worked. But I think for us, it was more of a learning experience as we went along in the process of opening. Um, it didn't necessarily fall and pan out exactly like those two places that I just mentioned. Um, and I think we grew it department by department. So first was obviously the kitchen positions, the having mm-hmm. a head baker as well as a, um, pastry sous chef or a pastry lead. Um, and then going into an operations manager so that, they can start structuring more of the paperwork side, like making invoices and creating orders. Um, Cause I was doing that to begin with too. Um, and then it went to, a, I think the most, the, the last addition in terms of the managerial hierarchy that was very necessary was that logistics manager position, which was dispatching and, you know, packet packing and um, delivery. So that last position kind of, fell in. And after that, it was a matter of hiring people right below them as supervisors. And then we just kept on hiring. And I think we have even a little bit more room to take on um, more growth in the bakery, which is kind of scary to think about because there's only so many uh, square footage, but we're doing it. Yeah. So how, uh, so, so there's the manager, then there's a supervisor under them and then there's mm-hmm. the people on the ground floor. That yes. Are, got it. Is there, and, and the manager will oversee one supervisor or multiple supervisors? It's, uh, one per department pretty much. Okay. Got it. And then how many, you know, people on the ground floor do you know, that you need until you need another supervisor, let's say, to help? Like, is it a five to one or is it, does it just depend? Some are less, some are more? Yeah, um, it's kind of interesting that you just said five to one because that's pretty much where we're at right now. Um, mm. I think as soon as we start reaching seven or eight um, line employees, we will probably have to add one more um, 
the supervisor or like that junior manager position. Got it. And how do you find those supervisor roles? Because we try to promote people up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, sometimes you got to bring somebody from outside. How, how have you gone about that? Yeah, um, most of it has been internal promotions. Um, we have been very lucky with turnover in terms of um, the original crew. There are people that have come and gone throughout the pandemic, especially because that's a very difficult thing, I think, um, to manage just people in general right now. But mm-hmm. um, ever since we opened, um, we have had a handful of people that have stayed since the beginning and not even just that, but um, going back even further to places that I have worked with these people prior to the bakery. Um, oh, so you brought them with from, from previous Exactly, exactly. So there's some sort of a working relationship that I'm familiar with. Um, for example, my operations manager, she used to be my pastry sous chef um, at a hotel that I worked at. And although she was, you know, a completely capable sous chef, since then she's had a child and she wanted to be able to work office hours. And I've always thought she was um, very intelligent and very organized. And I thought, you know what, like we're a new company. We can try anything that we want. Why don't we try this position where you become an operations manager and what more can you ask for, you know, for someone to operate something where she actually knows how to produce the product and how long it takes to make something or how difficult it is to make something for that person to be in charge. It's, it's, it's worked out very well. So we've had some very interesting, um, shifts where, you know, I had a pastry cook, um, who there's, it's kind of different, even within a bakery, um, bread baking and, pastry like sweets um the kind of personality and the kind of traits that you have to succeed in each department is a little bit different and i've always thought that this pastry cook um would be a better bread baker and she made that transition and now she's our head baker so there's a lot of promoting within um and then i have also hired from outside um that all depends on obviously that initial interview. Um, I think a lot of it has to do more with personality traits rather than um, what's on your resume. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm looking for quality jobs on the resume, but industry experience too, or no? Yeah, of course, industry experience. Um, But there's just some things that can't be taught. Um, like enthusiasm, motivation, um, willingness to learn, or just your overall intelligence. Um, I feel like if you have those things, you can learn and adapt. Um, And for us being a bakery that has both a wholesale and a retail model, um, there aren't too many places that are like us. So I'm not necessarily looking for people with that same background I'm looking for someone that can adapt and learn with us, especially because we are newer business. So with this, you know, management layer, what does your day-to-day look like now? Sure. Uh, (laughs) 
provided that all of the managers are on property and uh yeah <laughs> and, and in attendance yes yes um and in attendance um my day-to-day looks at more of what is coming up in the future rather than a day-to-day operations of things so we're looking at sales goals budgeting um, lots of spreadsheets, but also fun marketing ideas, um, collaboration projects that I can do with other people or something like this where it's a podcast or uh, marketing outreach. Um, those are more of what I focus on. So while everyone is right now baking Thanksgiving pies, I'm looking at what baking Thanksgiving pies. I'm looking at what. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So forward thinking and, and more growth. Are there any things that you feel like are on your plate that you'd like to also get off, like in, in higher level? <laughs> um, social media would be great. On that you shouldn't? <laughs> um, one of the first positions that uh-huh. it, I guess it's not even a position. We used to have a social media and PR company that um, helped us pre-pandemic, but. Once that, you know, first initial pandemic scare um, came on, the first thing that I thought was, I need to protect my staff and cut down on costs. Um, So the third companies that we had hired were the first ones to go. Um, And that's how it started, where I started taking over Instagram account or Facebook account, social media, and also the web um, website things. Um, so I guess that's part of my job right now, day to day as well as answering all of that. And, um, like our website development and when to do specials and things like that. Um, but I ended up taking all of it. Um, so when we, when people are on Instagram and they're DMing the bakery, you know, it's, it's me actually answering back and commenting back to everyone. Um, as much as I enjoy that, it does get pretty daunting because I think between the front of the house, um, because the office is located right by the storefront, um, where people can literally see me sitting at the computer, um, between that and the phone calls that we get and the social media, um, commenting and DMs, I think I talk to about 200 people almost every day. So, and our staff, um, so that can get pretty overwhelming very quickly. Um, so a social media person would be wonderful if we could have that. For sure. For sure. We found good luck there too with, uh, interns, especially, you know, Chicago mm-hmm. or people in summer, obviously it's only a couple of months, but at least I figured out what would be a good person for a full-time role, just of like the getting the training together and, you know, the, uh, how to help coach Mm -hmm. them and the things that you feel like you would say. Right. Because they have to respond on behalf of you. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, You know, with all of those, like just growth that you've had, I mean, 27 people, were there, were there any interesting pivotal points in the business that, that really changed the trajectory? I mean, of course there's just like the constant grind, but, um, anything that really shifted it? 
Yeah, I think the addition of retail was what completely shifted our business model um, and allowed me to actually start looking at the future and forecasting and being able to focus a lot more on the outside things um, than daily operations. We used to only do um, retail on the weekends and it was just mm -hmm. for fun. Um, but then COVID struck and we said, you know what, we've lost all of our wholesale accounts except for the grocery ones because they had to oh. shut down in Chicago. Because they were the, the hotels and the restaurants that you were shipping. Got it. Exactly. So we said we need to figure out a way to somehow all have jobs, stay afloat and keep this place open. Mm -hmm. um, and we shifted to doing retail. And as soon as we added that, um, I think that was the pivotal moment where everything changed everything um or what like what like was it the revenue that all this additional sales that was coming in or it was just a new sales channel yes that it being a new sales channel um was one of the reasons and the mm. profit margins much higher on retail compared to wholesale so if you're selling 200 croissants to a restaurant or a hotel, it's the same as selling 100 in our storefront. Um, Got it. So that allowed kind of this breathing room of, you know, revenue coming in that allowed that um, kind of shift to happen. And the other thing that happened with opening retail was there, um, all of a sudden there was brand recognition. So, we were open for retail for, I don't know, I want to say about six months before things started becoming back alive. Um, and all of a sudden we're getting these inquiries from cafes that we didn't have before who wanted our croissants to be served with their coffee. Um, because our retail brand grew so much, people were seeking for our croissants. Um, whereas before when you're doing wholesale to restaurants and hotels, I think there's some sort of a romanticizing, um, about food where people want to say that they made everything in house. Got it. So but they, the end customer doesn't know exactly about you guys. Exactly. So all of a sudden with the retail growth and the brand recognition, it became something that other companies wanted to say they carry rather than try to hide and say, oh, we make this in-house. Or, sure. you know, they, they get baked fresh daily and not the name um, attached to it. All of a sudden, people wanted the name attached to it. Um, and I think I think that was the pivotal moment. So there had to have been a bunch of things that you had to pick up pretty quickly to, yes. to get into retail. <laughs> I'm just thinking like, the point of sale system, like staffing it, uh, I don't know, sales tax now, just a bunch of things. Yes. It's all learned very quickly and adapted very <laughs> quickly. Were there, were there things you would have done differently going into the retail side now? Honestly, I think it was pretty successful in terms of the rollout. Um, we've adapted along the way to making sure that you know, again, we didn't want to hire more people when we were concerned about keeping the existing staff. So it was the operations manager and the sales manager and myself being a cashier um, and running the storefront. 
Um, but we have grown since then to add actual sales associates in the front. Um, and POS, POS system, we kind of lucked out because prior to, you know, doing retail seven days a week, um, we also happened to have a pickup option available with an e-commerce website for a bakery. Got it. Um, so we just turned that into a POS model, which is um, Shopify. I'm sure some of the printing um, people have used that as well. Um, but it was a pretty quick turnaround with a lot of foresight um, because my um, sister-in-law is a emergency nurse and she works in the West Coast. Um, and if you remember the beginning of all of this, it swooped in from overseas to the West Coast and then kind of gradually making its way onto the rest of the U.S. So we had been talking about, oh, you know, all of the food industry things and everything that's not an um, emergency thing would probably close within the next two or three weeks. Um, so we were kind of planning even before anything closed um, and having this, you know, doomsday plan intact. Um, and we executed it the day, the day that everything shut down. We were already rolling. <laughs> I went to go visit and tasted. Uh, you gave me a bunch of treats, <laughs> which were all super, super good. You know, it makes me wonder with that and getting into the retail side, how, how do you differentiate yourself? Obviously, I'm sure you've got like a strong name and brand from, from being in the pastry side and working at these high-end restaurants for a while. Mm -hmm. But in retail world too, you know, your pastry from, I don't know, grocery store versus another pastry, uh, is it like marketing campaigns or is it the, the social side like you're talking about? I think it's a little mix of both. Um, and I'm sure every company seeks for output on high quality items, but that's really our, our, you know, specialty where we have all these people, like I said, from my past who have worked in these Michelin star restaurants, um, coming in and, baking at a bakery. And part of the reason why I wanted to open a bakery was because it's so much more approachable than what I used to do. Um, although I enjoyed making these beautiful plates with tweezers and decorating them and having these, you know, little tiny bites were that were so precious. Um, I couldn't even really ask my friends or family to drop in at the restaurant casually because you're sitting there for four and a half hours to have 16 courses to have two little bites of desserts at the end. And you know, <laughs> you're shelling out $450 um, for one guest. And I just wanted to deliver the same kind of quality, but at an accessible, um, approachable bakery. Um, and I think that's what differentiates us from most bakeries. The fact that we do come from restaurant backgrounds um, where we're dis disciplined to make something of high quality, but let's do that times 500 for croissants. Let's do that times 1000 for baguettes every day. Um, and that's hard to do the consistency, um, especially with baking when, you know, you have live things like yeast um, and the weather affecting everything. But 
I think that's what our focus is on so that, you know, every time somebody walks into the bakery, they feel a little bit happier walking out. I'm not really trying to change anyone's, you know, world or blow their minds or anything like that. It's a sense of comfort in this one little product um, that's executed well at a high, high technical level. It seems like PR, as you mentioned, you hired a firm before, also helped mm-hmm. drive a lot of awareness to restaurants. Like you could be in the top 15 dessert spots in Chicago on, you know, a, a magazine and that could help. Is that a big piece of it too, of driving, getting that initial traction? Or is it really just kind of slow growth friends and then friends of friends? And mm-hmm. For us, it was a very organic growth. Um, and again, I think it's kind of a, a rare pandemic success story where everything shut down and there are very few places open to even write about. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, we were one of those places and that kind of caught the initial attraction, um, in terms of PR and marketing. Um, because when we're just doing it on the weekends, there, there really wasn't too much information out about us in terms of a, a bakery where you can go as a regular customer to pick something up. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, I think, chance and luck played a definite role in there. I can't take all of the credit. And um, I don't think it was so much a marketing strategy, but something that we fell into. And then from there, it was organic growth. Um, whether it be Instagram or word of mouth. Got it. Got it. Uh, and then I'm just kind of curious on the software side, do you guys use something to, to keep track of orders and the status of orders and delivery and, you know, <laughs> all of that? Cause I was, I remember when I went there, there was a lot of paper on the wall there yes. and it was like, here's every delivery and it was highlighted. I think if it was done or not. And yes. Um, so we do use Shopify for the POS system to keep track of all retail orders and local deliveries that we make to retail customers. But for the wholesale side, everything is something that we created as a system. Um, we do have a, uh, spreadsheet whiz that is, uh, (laughs) our operations manager who's able to link you know, multiple different spreadsheets and ordering um, portals to create these daily boards, which turn into production sheets for each of the bread and the pastry kitchen. Um, And then also a packing list for the packers and drivers to go to every day. It's kind of insane how we kind of created the system that works, but it's half, not half, I would say, a quarter of it is manual entry. All right. So we're going to get into pastry, Tavo next, um, <laughs> shop <laughs> management for, for, for bakeries, you know, th- yeah, that's super interesting. I mean, you guys are clearly busting, butt almost 24 hours a day, it sounds like to just even hit these daily deadlines. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you also let some of the customers, can they customize what you guys are making or is every hotel sort of have their own version of things So a restaurant? 
we are part of the what if syndicate which is also the um restaurants maple and ash as well as etta so we customize for those restaurants and we do their their desserts all custom um but for regular restaurants and hotels, um, we have a wholesale menu that people would order from. Um, Got it. I think, you know, with T-shirts and things like that, um, you have, whether it be like screen, uh, screen print or you have a template, right, and that you use over and over and over. Or a press plate, Right. There's actually a lot of different variables just from uh, the type of print, the type of ink, the mm-hmm. where it's being printed, the type of shirt, the color, and so on and so on. But I think the shop owners definitely try to to template it a bit, but there's so many different types of customers that want different items. Yeah, I think that's definitely a challenge with us too. Um, where we do, we do have restaurant owners coming up to us asking if they can do a custom dessert for them or a custom bread. Mm. Um, and unfortunately at the bread and pastry level where you're in a wholesale environment where we're selling each piece for $2, it's not really possible. Um, we tried in the past before when we had just started operations, um, and it was just not a successful model for us because then you end up with so many SKUs. Um, and then on top of that, you're trying to train people different techniques um, to create a different product. Whereas I think if you are printing a T-shirt, you show the skill to the person once and they can adapt it to whatever different customization that you have to do. So do you do you, uh so if you did customize much it would be like they have to order x amount of months worth of this or however the contract set up It's very it would be very rare we haven't really done much custom um aside from our own restaurant group but if we were to take any custom okay. orders it would have to be like a guaranteed 200 pieces a day that they would order or it would probably be in the realms of you know, hundreds per day. Um, maybe an airport could do something like that, but I can't imagine. When did you train? When did you stop doing that? Um, after year one, really, we kind of trailed um, off on okay. custom. And same with um, we also get custom requests for retail as well. Um, everyone, yeah. you know, wants a different cake customized for their son's birthday or their girlfriend's. Well, you know anniversary um but we also do not make custom cakes either um just because of the different kinds of skills and the time it takes for us to even come up with a a pricing of those items um and it would be a one-time um thing for us and the other thing that's very important for us i think that's different for a bakery model is that we're trying to identify your own brand. Um, and as soon as you start customizing cakes for people, um, and they post it on Instagram and say, Hey, look at this, you know, neon green electric guitar cake that we got from Aya pastry. Um, all of a sudden I think your brand becomes muddled because it's, it's not your vision. It's not your design. 
um, that's out there. And there's just so much, um, you know, so much social media right now um, these days that can just kind of determine what you stand for. Um, and I'm, I didn't want that to be a problem. We have our signature cakes and we sell those. And if you want a custom message on them, we will do that. Got it. Got it. And so you must've set the minimums too from the wholesale side. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. We have a $50 minimum for any drop. Got it. So it's dollars, not like a, cause you've got the different SKUs anyway. Exactly. And that be different prices. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And if they can't meet it, uh, then they can come pick it up. Got it. Okay. Got it. And, and what are you, what are you thinking about as far as 2022, you know, just planning for next year? What's the biggest challenge that, that you want to work on? I think, or that maybe that you have to, <laughs> there's a little bit of both, right? Um, I think the biggest challenge is going to be, okay, so now we are in year four and we are a profitable company. Um, now we have to really say, okay, where is this profit going to? What are we improving? And I think one of the things that's very important to me is people. Um, so whether it be, you know, we just introduced the benefits package that's much better than what we used to have. Um, or, you know, how do we retain these people that are working for us? That's wonderful. Um, I think right now there's, you know, huge labor shortages in every market. I don't think it matters if you're a bakery or a t-shirt printing company or the manufacturer that even makes the actual t-shirts themselves. Um, we're all having trouble with labor, whether it be keeping your employees or hiring. Um, and I think, you know, moving on, that's the sort of thing that I really have to focus on. Um, and also the growth of the retail side. Now that we have proven that it's successful, um, what we do from here on out to keep on differentiating ourselves from different bakeries is what's going to be the challenge. Got it. That's awesome. Aya, thank you so much for, for being able to join <laughs> us. Everybody, if you're in Chicago, make sure to Google or Yelp uh, Aya Pastry. It's going to be really, really good. So just don't eat any desserts for like the week before so you can save <laughs> up all your sugar for that day only. Aya, thank you again. We thank really appreciate you. it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bruce.